Welcome to this episode of CEO Perspectives, a signature series by the Conference Board. CEO Perspectives are conversations that take an objective, nonpartisan look at a range of subjects that matter most to business leaders. I'm Steve Odlin, the CEO of the Conference Board and the host of this series, and in today's conversation, we're going to discuss the state of affairs in the Gulf. How has this region changed, especially in the face of world events, and how can we expect the region's geopolitics to shift in the future? You are listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the Conference Board. Joining me today is Hisham Al-Razuki, the former CEO of the Gulf Investment Corporation and a global counselor for the Middle East here at the Conference Board. Hisham, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, and I'm pleased to be participate with you in this uh, podcast. So, uh, Hisham, you have incredible global experience uh, over your lifetime. Please tell us a little bit about it. Well, if I can, if I would start with my educational background, huh? Uh, because I think uh, this is what probably has shaped me a little bit. Uh, you know, our um, my my father was you know a believer in uh, our, that his children should have really the best education. Uh, so I come from Kuwait and born in Kuwait. Uh, but since I'm young, we went uh, to a boarding school in in uh, in Alexandria in, in Egypt for uh, for several years, for six years, and then. And then moved later on to uh, Jerusalem, and then you have the 1967 war, and we have to go to Amman. And I finished my high school from Amman, Jordan, and then finished my uh, uh, university degree at the American University of Beirut. So this is, uh, and I finished my university in 1973. Immediately after that, I worked at the Ministry of Planning. At that time, it was called the Planning Board. And that was an excellent experience for a period of about one year because it involved, uh, you know, a, uh, a, 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 a uh, an agreement or uh, with with what is called the EIU, Ecom's Intelligence Unit, and they were doing uh, like a McKinsey report uh, on the joint ventures in Kuwait, and this is the experience with the government of Kuwait with the private sector. So we were evaluating at least 15 companies of, the, uh, of this type of, com- uh, and that gave me a good insight from an investment banking point on how to restructure companies, how to uh, improve uh, their operational, uh, operational side. After that, I was the, one of the companies I, was, I did work on uh, was what is, was called KFTCIC, Kuwait Foreign Trading Contract and Investment Company, and that was the largest investment company in that, that time in Kuwait, which was a publicly traded company on at least by 90% by the government, by the government of Kuwait. And uh, so I joined as a junior uh, and progressed, and, but I, had, I was moving very quickly into the hierarchy and I reached the last position I reached was as a uh, deputy general manager, the second person in the, in the organization. But that period was very important because we started in 1973 and it was at the time when, uh, 74, sorry, uh, at, that was at the time when oil prices started going up after the uh, oil, uh, oil embargo. And so wealth was created during this period uh, for the Gulf countries. And also the capital market was reshaping. And Kuwait was a much more advanced country at that time. And I played personally a role in, 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 that, in that period. And I do remember that I, have part, I did the first ever KD bond issue for a, 
uh, a foreign borrower, which was called the OKB, Österreich Control Bank, which is the export bank of Austria, which was a quality borrower uh, denominated in Kuwaiti dinar. And subsequently, I did also uh, the first ever Kuwaiti dinar bond issue for a local borrower for the Industrial Bank of Kuwait. And the advantage of that, we tried to create a secondary market uh, issue to create awareness in, in the market. So we made an agreement, if I recall, with the Central Bank of Kuwait to consider those bonds as part of the liquid assets of the Central Bank. And that made it at any, any bondholder who wants to get rid of his uh, or sell his bonds, then uh, most of the banks will be able to uh, will pick them up because they have a higher, uh, a higher yield. Of course, uh, I was in charge of, during that period, uh, when I reached the, 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 uh, the position, I, re- I was in charge of uh, what is called the treasury, the credit, as well as the capital markets, uh, what is called marketable securities. Subsequently, later on, I, I joined Gulf Investment Corporation, which was also a turning point in my career. As a, I, we, I started, I... I joined the company from its first day of its inception, uh, in 1st of May in 1984. And as, as you know, the Gulf Investment Corporation is owned by the governments of the six uh, GCC countries. It is the first institution to be established after that with the aim of diversify, the diversifying you know, the economies uh, of, the, of the Gulf. And to give it importance, the board of directors were the ministers of uh, finance and the governors, or some of them are the governors of the of central bank. So it was really a very important uh, organization. Uh, and one of the, w- uh, during the period I was involved in, I became the last 12 years of my career, I said about 27 years in that organization, the last 12 years, I was uh, the CEO. It, it transformed the company into a an entrepreneurial company, uh, a company that is we created about uh, and participated in at least about seventy projects and diversified in different areas of industries, from powers to petrochemical to communications and so on. And we were very innovative in the way we are. Uh, we're running it like a private sector, although this has been a government owned. And the returns has substantially improved. During the period I was involved in, uh, we have, have achieved an IRR for, uh, for the 12 years uh, of uh, at least 14.5%. And to give you an idea of the value added of diversification, which is important, the idea of uh, investing in, in, in such projects. For example, we had a portfolio in our uh, of 2.4 billion dollars uh, of of projects uh, of about 40 companies at the time when I uh, when I when I left, the total value of those projects were about were about 30 billion dollars, and it created jobs for about 30,000 people, and that was really and achieved a higher returns of at least at least 14 and a half. For a company of this nature, it was really. Uh, of course, um, the company was also the organization which I'm proud to be very much associated and very much involved in, is also active in the capital markets and, and the advisory businesses. So this is basically the background of where I do come uh, from. Yeah, so you've had an incredible career in Kuwait and in the Gulf and in banking and, and the capital markets. So you've been able to see the development of the Gulf from your perch uh, over the past, you know, many, many decades. Uh, 
you know, how have you seen things change in the Gulf over the past 70 years? Well, I wouldn't say 270 years. I have seen it in the last <laughs> 50 years, for example, from the 70s, when oil prices actually in the 70s, the oil prices were about $3 in the early 70s, and, and then moved up to higher. So that created, you know, major wealth for uh, the Gulf countries in general. So, uh, yes, there has been a major, tremendous change that has taken place in, 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 the, in the Gulf. Uh, you know, uh, the Gulf Constitute, uh, they produce what is, uh, what is they are now a, a, key so, a key source of fossil, uh, fossil fuel, providing at least one-fifth of the global oil and gas uh, supply and around half of the proven, uh, half of the proven reserves. So... Um, that wealth that has been generated has been put in good use. The countries of the Gulf built roads, uh, infrastructures, communications, hospitals, uh, schools. And not only that, they have provided a welfare system for its, their nations. So they have provided free education to its citizens. The uh, scholarships goes to international uh, universities in the U.S., in Europe, or, or in other parts in the Arab world. Uh, provided a free health system, which is very important uh, also at the same time. Uh, provided a secure job. They give you also, in some countries within the Gulf, give you free, almost free housing. Uh, housing, A job that is almost secured when you are uh, ready and uh, after, after, after university or after school. Uh, so it was really, you know, a welfare, proper welfare society. Not only that, I mean, uh, also for the lower income people and not uh, for everybody, Subsidized food was provided. Electricity was uh, subsidized. Uh, fuel, gas, fuel was subsidized. So it is. They have created that welfare system, which is extremely important. So, and that was really the advantage. The Gulf has benefited from from this wealth generated from oil. At the same time, the Gulf, uh, what I have seen during this period witness what is called, you know, a political unity or what is called the GCC, Gulf, Gulf Cooperation Council, similar to the, to the EEC. And that really has provided really stability, political and economical stability. And we have seen it reflective in during the Gulf War of Kuwait, when uh, Iraq invaded uh, Kuwait, how the, the Gulf countries stepped in and supported that. And we also we have seen it when Iran tried to disrupt Bahrain, for example, uh, and Saudi Arabia went in and stepped in, supported Bahrain uh, to make sure that the regime and the country is uh, stable. So and this is really a, a very important uh, political entity, the GCC, the Gulf Cooperation Council, of which uh, the, the information, the institution I worked for was, was really uh, used to work for, is, it was, was uh, the ones that are, have, have, have developed it. Yeah, so, so it's, it's incredible wealth provided by natural resources, which seeming, and you've got half of the world's supply still there, so seemingly not endless, but but for a very long time. At the same time, you've got this GCC providing coordination and uh, uh, you know, some peace in, in the region. So, but, but that does create some risk because there's a, such a huge reliance on oil in the region. How sustainable is that? And you know, talk to us about how the Gulf countries are trying to diversify their economies. 
oil is a, a, a depleted resource. It has a life. It cannot continue to be produced. And this has been known to the Gulf countries. But unfortunately, uh, you know, with oil prices going up and higher prices, it blurred the vision to many of those of the Gulf countries not to diversify as much as they should really have uh, needed to diversify. It is only probably some of the countries did, as a matter of fact, diversify, but it's not really, in my opinion, it's not, it's not, uh, it was not really enough. So the, 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 those economies have really been controlled by the governments of the, of, of the GCC. Total, I mean, almost a great control of the economy. The private, private sector role played a role, but it was not really a major role uh, in, 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 in that respect. It is only after, you know, when uh, the, uh, the clean energy issues has started to come up, people or governments have started to realize the importance of diversification. And some of the countries have started that at least five years ago, Saudi Arabia, the Emirates, and uh, have started to diversify. As a result, they, they have, you know, started to uh, change their policies to a, f a more friendly, uh, to, to, to try to encourage the private sector, for example, uh, to a more friendly uh, environment so that they can, it's easy to do business. Uh, so the ease of doing business was really important. Uh, attracting FDI, foreign direct investment, is, was also uh, f a, a, a very important. Uh, giving more role to the, uh, 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 to the private to the private sector in general. Diversifying, we've seen it very clearly over the last few years that the industries, FDI for example, has gone reasonably high in, in, in Saudi Arabia. I think it reached 19 billion. So, uh, similarly, it, uh, the Emirates is also uh, almost to a, sim uh, a, a, a similar figure. Diversification was really an important uh, as aspect to create uh, basically uh, jobs uh, and to create value-added jobs. So, but but tell tell us what industries the Gulf countries are looking to develop as a uh, juxtapose against the oil business. Okay, the I think the Gulf countries are trying to diversify their economies into industries that have added value, export-related industries. Uh, teaming up with foreign companies, for example, and bringing technology so that they can develop their industries for uh, as exports. Tourism has been Tourism, uh, yeah. uh, has been created both in Saudi Arabia, internal tourism in Saudi Arabia, uh, to attract locals to go into that. That was was almost non-existent, you know, at one time, uh, almost. Uh, but Dubai and the Emirates, they, they're they're very active in that to some extent. Qatar. Uh, to, uh, does that. Um, giving more of a role to the private sector in general was also uh, important to, to, di to, di to di diversify. So I think these are measures that are of real importance, you know, uh, of creating value-added goods and services that will help the economy. Now, how has the war in Ukraine affected the Gulf? I mean, clearly Russia was another source of oil in the world and you know there was the embargo from the west and so forth did it just shift the supply chain around or did it actually impact the economies there um, of course i mean as you know the ukraine worldwide has had its impact uh, in terms of 
inflation. So uh, inflation pressures moved up. Uh, that will that means higher interest rates uh, to curb uh, inflation. Uh, oil prices shot up uh, as a, a result of uh, disruption of supply of uh, oil, especially coming uh, from uh, from Russia. But the Gulf, in terms of inflation d- uh, during the year 2022, did not really suffer very much. It was about only 4%. But it has also benefited the Gulf from higher oil prices uh, that has been generated and uh, that have helped and will help, you know, in the diversification process of our uh, of our uh, economy. So I think I, I think uh, from that aspect, you know, the Gulf has uh, luckily has not. It's only some of the food prices have went up, but it was in general, not very significant. Uh, yeah, so it sounds like you've fared better than many in the West, yes. you know, with relatively low inflation and uh, with oil prices rising. That helps uh, people in the Gulf. You know, the, the, other, the other question I had was related to China. The Middle East and, and the Gulf in particular has been part of the old Silk Road. Uh, China has been part of, I guess, the Gulf in some way or or another for you know thousands of years. Talk about its China's current uh, impact on the Gulf and and also its alliance with Russia and how that impacts the Gulf. The Gulf have had a an independent approach uh, towards its relationship uh, with China, with India, with the East in, in in general. Try to have a balanced also approach between the United States and China. You know historically. Its relationship was extremely strong uh, with, uh, with 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 the United States, but with recent, uh, but China has become a world, you know, a major partner in trade and technology in many areas that are also important. Importing of oil, importing of uh, some of those raw material. So I, uh, the the region has played a very balanced role. And that try not to side with one versus uh, versus, versus the, the other. Yeah, and you know China's Belt and Road Initiative has been uh, active now for many years. They're on Belt and Road too. That's impacted a lot of areas of the world, uh, especially Africa. But how has it impacted the Middle East, if at all? I think it is, uh, as I mentioned, China is an important partner uh, in providing goods and services. Most of the services they have helped in the construction of many of the ports that are, and many of the infrastructures that are in our part of the world. They provide, you know, uh, uh, many of the areas that have been built in that was was needed, you know. Uh, So they have have the manpower, they have the technology, and... uh, um, so we got a, a good overall usage of that relationship with, with yeah with China. a partnership then yes yeah. yeah you know according to the UN in in as recently as 2020 the Gulf accounted for about 20 percent of the world's seaborne trade you talked about 20 percent of the of the oil but it's also 20 percent of the seaboard trade and then you know nearby in the Red Sea another 10 percent these are huge sea lanes and yes. and and they come to choke points at various places. Talk to us about your view of, of the safety and security of those sea lanes and what's the outlook is. The security is extremely important. Yeah. 
and as you know, that, this the area where, uh, be it the Gulf area or the Red Sea area, as, as roads, as sea roads are extremely, extremely important, you know, for world trade, world maintaining reasonable, uh, sustainable, uh, stable oil, oil prices. It cannot really be allowed, you know, to, to be disrupted. And uh, we have tested that during the uh, this has been tested sorry uh, during the uh, iraq iran war at the, t at the time of reagan uh, 1987 when there has been an attack on some of the uh, on the uh, uh, oil tankers the kuwaiti oil tankers carrying oil in, in in the gulf so kuwait called on the united states and the United States, seeing the importance of this situation, put the f flags of the United States on those ships, as a matter of fact, mm. and escorted those. So it, it provided stability. And uh, so the, that area is an extremely important area to be sustained. And, and I think that will continue to be the case because this is, a, and as far as the Red Sea is concerned also, the Red Sea, which connects from the Red Sea also to the Suez Canal. Saudi Arabia is building major ports, uh, economic ports. You have the Jeddah port, King Abdullah port, the Neom area is, is, is being built. That will also create more and more uh, traffic and more uh, jobs. So, uh, and Saudi Arabia, with its relationship with, with Egypt, that will continue to be a, a strong relationship. And that, that sea road will continue to be important. So who's providing the security? You have the East, uh, the East African pirates you know, threatening the Red Sea area, and, yeah. that, and now we have Iran. Um, threatening the... Uh, yeah, if, if, you, if, you, if you talk about the pirates, that's not really within. No. It's, it's a bit off uh, of, of that particular area. So, but uh, this area is, Saudi Arabia is, is, is providing, uh, will provide uh, security. You know, during the, the Houthi, uh, the Iran, the war with, uh, with Yemen, for example, there were attempts to smuggle arms from from uh, through the Red Sea to to that, so it this is continuously that road that sea road is continuously monitored. Yeah, yeah, and it's really important. You live in an interesting neighborhood. Uh, Kuwait geographically is a relatively small yeah. country, and you're surrounded by these incredibly large countries, including Saudi Arabia, Iran, and Iraq. What's it like living in that neighborhood? Well. <laughs> We have, uh, again, uh, Kuwait, uh, without its relationship with the Gulf, uh, uh, with the GCC, GCC, would be extremely vulnerable. Uh, we have seen that very clearly during, during the Iraq um, uh, Saddam invasion of uh, Kuwait in, 19, uh, in, in, in 1990. Uh, and we, we feel safe because we've, we have excellent relationship with not only with our neighbors, the, the Gulf countries that are we are part of the GCC, but also we have strong alliances with both the United States, the United Kingdom, that will continue, in my opinion, to provide that comfort and support uh, to us. So we feel safe. Yes, I agree with you. The situation in Iran, the situation in Iraq is not really very comfortable. Uh, and unfortunately, it has been disrupted. Uh, uh, but I don't foresee you know, in the, in, the, in the near future, 
that will settle uh, the disruption, especially in, in, in Iraq. Iran is trying now try to resume relationship with, with, with Saudi Arabia, but still uh, that needs to be tested in general. Well, geopolitics in the region have been shifting since the beginning of time. I mean, this is the cradle of civilization that we're talking about, yeah. and it's been a crossroads. So, it, you know, this, this it's, it's not, and it's, it's been overrun by, you know, over time by virtually everybody. It, so, it, it, you know, you have, to be, you have to be cognizant, obviously, of what's going on in a different way than others around the world. Um, so last question, you know, this Iran threat um, is probably... Is probably the closest threat you've had for a long time, um, you know, since the Iraq War. Um, how do how do you view uh, Iran's influence in the region? Well, uh, Iran has unfortunately played since the Khomeini's came a disruptive role in in the region, totally disruptive role, and we could have a, a stable region, but unfortunately. Uh, Iran uh, played, uh, they control Iraq. Uh, they, they, co con they control Iraq right now. Or, uh, definitely they control Iraq and uh, the politics within Iraq and uh, who is there, who is on top there. Uh, it is controlled by, by Iran, for example. They have disrupted uh, Syria, Lebanon, for example. Uh, they've disrupted uh, the Houthis. They tried to disrupt Bahrain try to engulf the, uh, the, uh, the Gulf countries uh, overall and uh, uh, pass the revolutionary thoughts and ideas and ideologies. Th this c cannot really be sustained, you know, and, and uh, they realize that. So unfortunately, unfortunately, hopefully, if, if Iran goes back to its senses and you have an, a, an acceptable regime that is more rational, uh, we will have a very stable and a very, very, very prosperous region in general. And if not? We will continue as we are still, but uh, we could be much more prosperous. Yeah. Hisham, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening in to CEO Perspectives. Every week I'll be joined by a prominent thought leader to provide insights on the issues of our time. We'll cover the leading topics in geopolitics, economics, public policy, and more. I'm Steve Odlin, and this series has been brought to you by the conference board. You have been listening to CEO Perspectives, a podcast by the conference board.